Hello and welcome to My Daily Trivia. I'm your host, Danny. Today is Wednesday, October 4th, and I hope that you are having a wonderful day. We're halfway through the week. We're halfway through the week. We're halfway to the weekend. Happy Wednesday. I hope you're all having a good day. Now, if this is your first time listening, I, of course, want to say welcome. Welcome to the show. My Daily Trivia is a 10-round quiz show with no specific themes, topics, or categories. However, we do have a new episode every day, Monday through Friday, with each day getting progressively harder. Now, of course, today, as I said, it's middle of the week, it's Wednesday, which means that today will be middle of the middle of the road in terms of difficulty. So not too hard, not too easy. No, it is the Goldilocks day. It is just right. Although maybe not, maybe not just right for you. As always, if you find this episode to be a bit too challenging, I think you should listen to it anyway, and I encourage you to listen to all the episodes of the week. On the other hand, if you find this episode to be a bit too uh, too simple, well, not to fear. You can always tune in tomorrow on Thursday when we make it even harder. Now, without any further delay, let's dive right into it. Let's get into today's round of questions with question number one. How long is an Olympic swimming pool? And the answer there is 50 meters. An Olympic-sized swimming pool conforms to regulated dimensions that are big enough for international competition. This type of swimming pool is used in the Olympic Games, where the race course is 50 meters. That's equivalent to about 164 feet in length, typically referred to as a long course. This distinguishes it from a short course, which applies to competitions in pools that are 25 meters, or about 82 feet in length, or 75 feet in the United States. So, once again, Olympic-sized swimming pool. All those uh, those pools that Michael Phelps was swimming in, those were 50 meters long. Moving on to question number two. What is the name of the biggest technology company in South Korea? And that, of course, is Samsung. Samsung Electronics Company is a South Korean multinational major appliance and consumer electronics corporation headquartered in the Yongtong-gu Suwong of South Korea. It is currently the pinnacle of the Samsung Chable, accounting for 70% of the group's revenue in 2012. It is also the largest tech company in South Korea, with over 266,000 employees. 266,000 employees, just for that one company. I would say that is pretty large. Not only is it large, it is in fact the biggest tech company in South Korea. That's Samsung Electronics. Question number three. Worship of Krishna is observed by which religious faith? And that would be Hinduism. Krishna is a major deity in Hinduism, 
He is worshipped as the eighth avatar of Vishnu, and also the supreme god in his own right. He is the god of protection, compassion, tenderness, and love. And he is one of the most popular and widely revered among Hindu divinities. Krishna's birthday is celebrated every year by Hindus on Krishna Jamashtami, according to the lunisolar Hindu calendar, which falls in late August or early September on the Gregorian calendar. So once again, that is Krishna as worshipped, as observed by Hinduism. And for the record, if you're wondering, uh, Krishna, Krishna is the, you've maybe seen Krishna before, if you're not Hindu, it, Krishna is the blue, the blue one. Perhaps that might help. I, I looked up Krishna myself, and I feel like I recognize Krishna. And so perhaps Krishna is a face you might be familiar with. Moving on to question number four. From which country does Gouda cheese originate? And Gouda cheese is from the Netherlands. Gouda cheese is a sweet, creamy, yellow cow's milk cheese originating from the Netherlands. It is one of the most popular cheeses worldwide. The first mention of Gouda cheese dates back from 1284, making it one of the oldest recorded cheeses in the world that is still made today, reaching full maturity during the Dutch Golden Age of the 17th century. Cheesemaking traditionally was a woman's task in Dutch culture, with farmers' wives passing their cheesemaking skills onto their daughters. Most Dutch Gouda is now produced industrially. However, some 300 Dutch farmers still produce the farmer's cheese, which is protected form of Gouda made in the traditional manner using unpasteurized milk. I personally am a huge fan of Gouda cheese. Unfortunately, I have probably only had the industrial style. I would love to someday try to make it to the Netherlands, try to make it over to Holland and try some of that, uh, that protected cheese made in the traditional manner with the unpasteurized milk. I'm sure that tastes absolutely phenomenal. So that's Gouda cheese originating from the Netherlands. Moving on to question number five. What awards make up an EGOT winner? And there's four awards we're looking for. That is the Emmy, a Grammy, the Oscar, and Tony Awards. EGOT, E-G-O-T, is an acronym for Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony Awards. It is the designation given to people who have won all four of the major American art awards. Respectively, these award honors uh, outstanding achievements in television, recording, film, and Broadway theater. Achieving the EGOTs has been referred to as the, quote, grand slam of show business. Now, as of 2023, 18 people have won the competitive EGOT. Now, those people include some names you probably recognize. People like Audrey Hepburn, Mel Brooks, Whoopi Goldberg, and John Legend. John Legend surprised me a little bit, although I guess it shouldn't, of course. Very talented man. 
but I didn't, uh, I guess I wouldn't have expected John Legend to be on that list. So that is an EGOT winner for Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony Award. Moving on to question number six. What is the name of the professional ice hockey team that is based in Toronto, Canada? And that team is called the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Toronto Maple Leafs are a professional ice hockey team based in Toronto. They compete in the National Hockey League, the NHL, as a member of the Atlantic Division in the Eastern Conference. The club was founded in 1917, operating simply as Toronto and known then as the Toronto Arenas. Under new ownership, the club was renamed the Toronto St. Patrick's in 1919, and in 1927, the club was purchased by Con Smith and renamed the Maple Leafs. I can't imagine, I'm sure there's a story, but I can't imagine what brought that new owner to choosing Maple Leaf as his team name. It doesn't exactly strike fear in his enemies, I would imagine, but nonetheless, it is memorable, and that is one of the longest-lasting hockey teams still playing in the NHL. So that's Toronto's hockey team, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Question number seven. What is the city with the most diversity in terms of language? And that city is New York City. With speakers of approximately 10% of the world's 6,000 to 7,000 languages, the New York metropolitan area is the most linguistically diverse urban center in the world, and probably in the history of the world. At least 700 language varieties from all over the world are used in the New York area. Some may be considered dialects by their users or by outsiders, while others may be macro-languages, subsuming many distinct languages. But all of those, all 700 of those, are found in New York City, making it the most diversity in terms of language in the world. Moving on to question number eight. The ancient Phoenician city of Constantine is located in what modern-day Arab country? And that city can be found in Algeria. Constantine is the capital of Constantine province in northeastern Algeria. During Roman times, it was called Kurta and was renamed Constantina in honor of Emperor Constantine the Great. It was the capital of the French department of Constantine from 1848 until 1962. Located somewhat inland, Constantine is about 80 kilometers or 50 miles from the Mediterranean coast on the banks of the Rumel River. So once again, that is Constantine, the ancient Phoenician city, and it is currently located in North Algeria. Moving on to question number nine. The unicorn is the national animal 
of which country? And believe me, this is true. I looked it up, but it is the national animal of Scotland. Unicorns have been featured in many cultures, going as far back as the Classical Age, including the ancient Babylonians and the Indus civilizations. With its white, horse-like body and single, spiraling horn, the unicorn is a symbol of purity, innocence, and power in Celtic mythology. Legend also tells that their horns can purify poisoned water, such is the strength of their healing power. Now, using heraldry as a guide, which, by the way, heraldry is uh, the study of, of crests, you know, like family crests. So using heraldry as a guide, we can see that the unicorn was first introduced to the Royal Coat of Arms of Scotland around the mid-1500s, since the time it has been featured multiple times in Scotland and was eventually elevated to the national animal of the country. Moving on to our last question of the day, question number 10. What is the loudest animal on Earth? And the loudest animal on Earth is the sperm whale. Sperm whales generate their sound with their nose, which are in repeated patterns of clicks. This sound is the highest SPL ever measured from any animal at a whopping 233 dB SPL. Underwater, however, the sound is only about 130 dB SPL, still much too loud for human ears. Now, for a comparison, a domestic dog bark can reach as high as 113 dB SPL. So compare that to it's the sperm whale is more than twice of the loudest dog that you've ever heard barking. So you can imagine how loud that would be. I'm not sure what dB SPL stands for, but, uh, but that's the, how they measure sound evidently. And it always makes me think, learning that the sperm whale is the loudest on Earth always makes me think of that scene in Finding Nemo when Dory's trying to communicate with the whale. Anyway, it's maybe not how that sounds, but evidently it is quite loud. So it is the loudest animal on earth. That is the sperm whale. So that will conclude this round of My Daily Trivia. If you found this round to be uh, a bit too simple, well, you can tune in tomorrow. We're going to make it a little bit harder on Thursday's episode. And as always, if you found this episode to be a bit too challenging, I, I still think you should listen tomorrow. You might enjoy yourself, and you might even learn something along the way. As always, we want to thank you for listening to My Daily Trivia. I'm your host, Danny, and I will see all of you tomorrow. <laughs>